Greetings to you, Earthlings. I am Princess Dragon Mom. I have taken over this planet. Now I own the Earth. And you'll all be my slaves for eternity. The disasters I've witnessed are just a small example of our great power. Either surrender to me, or I'll destroy all humans. I've spoken. <laughs> it's all the warnings I will give you from here on. You'll be destroyed. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that was Oscar worthy. Yeah, right? I mean, I think the regular version is also. You're in the middle of the road, jackass. Can you tell me where cornbread is? Turkeys! <laughs> So close to Thanksgiving. Hello, everybody, and welcome. We are just another movie night. I am Scott. And I'm Joe. And we today are in the second annual Turkey Fest of our, <laughs> of our show, Talking Trash. Talking Trash. Talking Trash. Indeed. Indeed. However, this movie is not trash. Well, we'll we'll get to that. I mean, cinematic it, masterpiece. It's, it's very debatable. I would I would assume. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're in our second annual Turkey Fest, and that means we are doing movies on our show, movies that we love, right? Yeah. Movies that we adore, that we know are bad, that we can't get enough of. Now, if you're new to the show, Talking Trash is where we ask a couple of questions, right? We ask, is this a bad movie? And if not, what is the worst movie ever made? And if you're new here, I'm just going to say, if you've ever seen a movie and you thought to yourself, that looks like crap and I don't want to sit there and watch it, that's what we're here for. That's what we're going to do. We're going to watch those pieces of crap for you. It's fun, though. It is fun. And if you've ever thought to yourself, you know... I like listening to people talk about movies, but could there be more screw-ups? Could there be more mispronouncing names and dates and times and plots? Yes. Then you're at the right spot. <laughs> because we're not professionals in any sense of the word. We just love movies. We watch way too many movies. And we're here to talk about movies as much as humanly possible. So we, we thank you for joining the show. And today, this movie needs no introduction. But we have to. I mean, yeah, you have to. <laughs> today we are talking about China's first feature film superhero, Inframan. A.K.A. Super Inframan. A.K.A. Infra the Superman? <laughs> Which I is, like that. <laughs> yeah, 19... What it a, is what 1975. Is it? 19, yeah. At last, science fiction creates the ultimate man, Inframan. And a motion picture creates the ultimate spectacle. Adventure beyond your wildest imagination with the man beyond bionics. Six million light years beyond believability. Is he man or machine? 
Electronic circuits integrated with living cells in the living body of a man. Powered by nuclear energy. Inframan. You won't believe your eyes. You won't believe your mind. Now, Joseph Brenner brings you the most advanced product of bionic science, towering above them all. Thunderbolt fists. Rocket feet. A motion picture that will stagger your imagination. This is my pick. Joe went last week. And uh, this week, I chose a movie from my childhood. Well, what's funny is uh, Joe also picked a movie from her childhood last week that she said she watched way too much and rented way too many times from the video store. Yeah, I mean, it was... I, I, I single-handedly, like, owned that tape. I mean, I literally had it out anytime that tape was rented, it would be re-rented and re-rented and re-rented because I would never want to take it back. Yeah, and you're speaking about dolls. Yes, dolls. Which is what we did last week. Uh, yeah, this week, the same story goes for me. I rented this movie, Inframan, so much at our local video store that the guy behind the counter told my mother, why don't you just buy it? Because at this point, you've rented it so many times that it's actually going to be worn out. <laughs> because I think you're the only one renting it this much. Now, I have like a handful of video movies that when I was a kid, I was obsessed with watching over and over. About five films. I must have watched them so many times that anybody who came into the room while I was watching them must have just been sick. <laughs> I don't know if my parents ever talked about not wanting to hear me listen to these movies ever again, but they just knew that I needed to see these movies over and over. I don't even think my mother remembered the name of this movie. I think when she would go there, she was like, is it the one with the red guy on the cover? <laughs> I said, yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah, so that this is that movie for me. I, and and I got to tell you, it's one of those films that when you watch it again and again, you're just like in awe of how ridiculous it is and how insane it is because it has everything. And I think the big reason is because this is a Shaw Brothers movie. This is a movie, one of those Chinese movies that whatever was big at the time that China felt like, you know what, that's really popular over there in Japan or, or America – we got to do our version of it. Mm -hmm. So this completely did Ultraman. <laughs> this is the Shaw Brothers knockoff version of Ultraman. And I got to tell you, I could never get into Ultraman when I was a kid. But also, I don't think it was very accessible. But for some reason, this movie really did it for me. I do not know why this is the movie. I mean, there's no there's no reason to question it. I mean, you obviously know why this movie was just amazing to you as a kid. I mean, even as adults, um, this is what, my ninth viewing of this movie? Is it? And I can tell you, <laughs> being married to you, I have like watched this movie a lot. And um, I feel, even though I'm an adult, I feel like this movie is so, it just makes me giddy. It makes me giddy. It's like everything you would ever want. Like the child in me is still there yeah. and I still see like just the costumes and just the ridiculousness of this movie. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I think a big part for me was the uh, the monsters. Of course. The, the sh ridiculous, crazy costumes and the monsters. 
And something about robots, because we already did on this show another movie that I absolutely loved, happens to be another robot main character. And that would be Jet Jaguar from Godzilla vs. Megalon. There is something to me in robot fighting people, like robot type characters. Although this guy's not a robot, he's kind of like a bionic man in he's a way. He's an enhanced human. Yeah. And, and, and Jet Jaguar is a full robot. Yeah. So uh, why these movies connected with me is really, I have no clue. I mean, you're a little boy growing up and you see these movies with these monsters and stuff in it. And of course, it's going to like blow your mind. Because back then, we didn't think in terms of like, oh my God, his suit's coming undone in the back. Oh my God, this monster no. is wearing boots. I never saw any of that when I was a kid. No. I never saw The Wires. Uh, I also loved Disney's The Black Hole when I was a kid. And I try to rewatch that in later life. And you can see the ropes and all the strings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Kind of ruins it a little bit. Yeah, but it doesn't hit the same. It, it's still, I still love that movie. I absolutely still love it. Same thing with this movie. I don't, I don't care. I do not care. It is so silly. It is so much fun. It is. And, and, and here's another thing. This is very important. And I think I need to tell people all the time. Because people hate it. I love dubbing. Okay. We refuse to watch, like, any kind of, um, like, foreign film without the overdubbing because it's hysterical. Well, that depends. I mean, like, we I go mean, to the theater, we, like, saw Parasite and we, we, oh, great yeah, movies. Oh, yeah, no, if it's, like, a, if it's a real, you know, it's, if a, it's real a good film, film, you know, then we'll watch it yeah. with the subtitles. But, I mean, movies like this, like, we have to, like, with Godzilla yes. and things like that, if it's not overdubbed, it's just not as fun. It's I, just not. There's something... That adds to the, the the experience of these kinds of movies. There's that really bad American understanding of what they are trying to dub. They have no clue. They don't really get it. So everything's kind of messed up. But it adds to the, the, the effect that just makes me smile throughout. Mm -hmm. The Godzilla films are a great example of that. That's why I'm so mad that I can't find Godzilla. Uh, but uh, I think that it's like known as 1984 in Japan. But in, in America, they redid it and shot new scenes. with uh, They brought Raymond Burr back. And, yeah. And I I love it, and I cannot find it. It is There's something so cheesy and so much fun about that version that I'm mad that I can't see it. I mean, again. I'm sure you can get it in Japan. Like, it's nothing, but... No, I don't think so. No? They, they completely disavowed that version of it. You, they didn't even release it on the new cut, like, as a as a special feature. That's so weird. Yeah, it's a lot of that. It's, like, really hard to find certain copies of certain movies dubbed. Hmm. Especially from Toho. But the Shaw Brothers don't give a shit. Because I think they just <laughs> re-released this version in a box set of this movie. Yeah. With all their stuff included. The version we have actually has some suspect audio problems. It seems like it was almost copied from television. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a weird transfer that, you know, you have to deal with when you're watching these old movies. Yeah. Um, you but... bought me this. You actually hunted this movie down when it was released. And I was like, oh, I need, I need to own this version. I need to own this movie. It needs to have the dubbing. It's so important, you know? Yeah. It really, it really is. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know how we got. We just got to talk about this. Well, first, can I say that? <laughs> I mean, this movie came out in 1975. It, it, it's like I don't know if you know Hong Kong filmmakers and stuff 
were into Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah. there's a lot of resemblance in the monsters here with, you know, like That's interesting. In in the in the way that they, you know, look and the way that they move and stuff. Like you're just there's a lot in, in common. And also like everybody all the the costumes in this, I mean everyone looks like they just stepped out of like a like a Ziggy Stardust video. <laughs> yeah. The, oh my God. So, so, so true. It really like, is. I don't know if this movie is supposed to be taking place in the future, but yeah, I was I'm ask trying you. to figure that out. Like I was going to ask you when we were watching the movie, is this taking place in the future? All right. So or... that's my first question to you. Normally we play a little game and we tell, we, I ask you questions and I put you on the spot. Oh, so Lord. I'm going to do one for this one. I'm going to ask you, what year do you think this movie's taking place? Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I, if I go by, if I go by the way they look, and the dialogue, I'm going to have to say that this movie probably is taking place in the '80s, or you know, like the the time frame. The yeah, where it was actually filmed. <laughs> that's where I think. Yeah. Yeah. In the '80s, but the plot. The plot. <laughs> if I'm guessing 2053. Oh my because... God! You really overshot. Well, it's the seventies, and <laughs> and so you know that they have a really loose expectation of what the future looks like. I, yes, I know, but I'm just saying, like the the technology that they're implying here yeah, yeah. is so ridiculous. Like there, we don't have that technology anywhere near close to that technology in 2023, and this guy has like. <laughs> Like um, an exo, like an like an endoskeleton. Yeah, the science here <laughs> like, is very suspect. I I don't even understand what's happening with this the science in this movie. Requires no surgery. <laughs> just he's just laying on a table and it's there. Well, let's don't get too far into okay, the plot. We I'm have sorry. to talk about the question at hand. What year is the movie taking place in? Okay, the movie is clearly taking place. <sighs> I'm going to say that since it's being filmed you were, in 19... What did you say, 2053, you guessed? So I guess you did guess. I mean, that was my guess, yeah. It's being filmed in 74. Or it's being, you know, released in 74. It does have some 80s aspects, which would kind of make it futuristic. But then there's no way that this technology would be available at that time. So I'm going to say 2053. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, even better, it's 2015. Shut up. It's supposed to be 2015 that this movie is taking place. Oh, wow. Okay, we're far behind in our technology. They looked into the future and they said, more silver on outfits. We have to get a lot more silver. And if if, uh, there's a head scientist, his smoking jacket (laughs) has to be silver as well. Make sure that you put a really bad wig on him and some terrible facial hair where you can see the spirit gum. And please, please... Blue motorcycle helmets on everybody. <laughs> if you're not even driving a motorcycle, get that helmet on, will you? Oh my you're God. gonna stand in a hallway, motorcycle helmet. Yeah, I mean, it was you never know when a door is gonna open on you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, this is talking trash. On talking trash, we do one thing: we trash talk movies. We're gonna talk through this movie. We're gonna talk about the plot. We're gonna talk through. And joke around and see what we can say about this movie that we have that hasn't already been said before. I, mean, I don't know how many people have ever like actually seen this movie and done this movie before. I think it needs to be done more often, I to be honest like, with you. I feel like no one has. And like I mean, we watch a lot of YouTube stuff and Shit. I have to say, like, I have not 
I have not had a, like an experience where like I came across any, you know, movie reviewer or YouTuber talking about this movie. And I feel sad about that because I feel like everyone needs to see this movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the plot of the movie. We'll talk everything out. So, I mean, right off the bat and right out of the gate. <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> so we open with um, a man, a woman, and a child. Um, I'm sorry, children. Children in a bus. Yes. Um, driving um, on one of the roads that are like like you're scared to drive on because like you're going to go right over into the ocean mm -hmm. it's one of those creepy roads they automatically stop in the middle of the road because something is in their way well it's even better than that it's not even in their way a it's dragging humanoid dragon looking creature belly flops onto the street <laughs> belly flops into the street disappears and creates an earthquake yes and do these kids all die? Okay, no. So, listen. Th what happens is they the ground. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The ground, <laughs> the ground starts shaking and cracks. So the 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 road is the road is like sh just cracked up. Oh, it's an earthquake! Cannot, it's a giant earthquake. Yeah, so they cannot move. So the whole bus is shaking, shaking, and the the bus driver says, "Get the kids out! Get the kids out!" To the woman, they manage to all escape. They do. Um, they show however, them escape. Yes, all the the woman and, and the children all escape, but I'm very unclear, and I was going to ask you about this. What happens to the driver? Because you see him in the bus, still shaking about, like you know, the the bus is going to go over the side and, and crash into the ocean, but they just cut away from it. So does he survive? I I assume that everybody died in the scene. No, no, no. The children got out, and the woman they got but out. But there's of the an bus. earthquake, so the mountain is collapsing. That could be true, but we see them escape the bus. We what see happens? them kind of run, but we don't know what happens next. No, we don't know what happens next. I'm assuming but, the worst. But I'm assuming that the bus driver just met his demise there because they didn't. They just cut away from it. I'm going to assume the worst because the next shot is what looks like an entire city on fire. They don't waste any time. No. They go right from that scene. I mean, it's just complete and utter destruction from minute one. So after this bus scene, the whole incident, it, I was going to ask you, they they must have taken cues from Godzilla. They're like all the miniatures on fire. I think the shot is stolen from a, of some movie. Do you think so? Because it's nighttime. It is. And nighttime. the next shot after yeah. this is daytime again. Yes, they have a problem with that. Well, every every movie seems to. I mean, there's so much destruction happening right now. Like it's so hard to to keep your eyes focused on one thing because there's literally people on fire jumping out of burning buildings. It's crazy. Yeah, there's there's a fireball man jumping to his death. <laughs> fireball man, like he's like a kamikaze. It he's does. Like, it... like almost like just lunges out the window just head first yeah, there's done. just screaming over the visual of a city burning yeah but you can't even see what's really happening like, no it's and crazy. we're not even really told how this occurred no we're, we're just cut now to a car driving around with a motorcycle motorcycle brigade mm -hmm. following it up a hillside and they get to a science base of some sort that is like a satellite dish Right, and Get it's it under right. a giant satellite dish <laughs> called Science Central. Science Central, where this is our main <laughs> location. Science Central. We are met with a, a bunch of reporters trying to figure out themselves what is happening. 
Could this catastrophe mean the end of the world is coming? I haven't determined. They get there and they open up the back door, and this is obviously the head scientist, the big wig. Dr. Chang. I say big wig because he's wearing a big wig. Oh my God. I just don't understand why they did this to this actor. They Why wanted this guy he... to seem much older, which is really funny. It doesn't make any sense, but the, the facial hair, the patchy patchwork going on there, it was just comical. Like, you could tell he looked like a caricature. It adds to the charm, though, doesn't it? No. It do- you don't think so? <laughs> oh, wow. I, I do. He looks like a goof. <laughs> oh, I love it. Everything about this guy makes me laugh. There's another report. It says Mount Devil has erupted. 10,000 people dead. Oh, It's weird. I mean, he's, you know, he's your stock scientist guy. He is your stock, yes. And he is, he feels like he's been in every one of these films. Oh, yeah. 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 He's been recycled. Yes. He he gets out of the car and the reporter's asking him the best questions ever. Is this the end of the world? <laughs> Are we all going to die? <laughs> okay. Well, how would you think that he would know any of the answers to yeah, those questions? He basically says like, I, I don't know either, man. He's just like, a scientist. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why don't you call the the, the prime minister or something? I the, don't know. This is my. I just got here. <laughs> I have. I just got the science central. Let me science <laughs> the hell out of this thing. <laughs> so they go inside, and we get to see an inside visual now of this science central. It's like Epcot's. Remember Epcot when they had the vi- like the the vision of the future inside the the big ball. Yes. That's this room. It is great. There is a screen playing Tetris. A giant visual of Tetris on the ceiling. This this room is it's, amazing. It, it's like, okay, so they they use disco balls. It's not even disco balls. They're like popcorn looking balls that light up. They're yeah. like they're like bumpy. I feel like there's going to like Tony Monero is just gonna come right out of his freaking Saturday Night Fever and just lay it out with the dance moves. It just looks ridiculous. This is supposed to be a science. I'm sorry, excuse me, Science Central. Science Central. And it's the science the lab. science lab. And all of the guys that work in this lab are wearing the same exact uniform, but it literally looks as though. I'm not kidding. David Bowie himself came out and just clones of David Bowie with the same outfit. It the the shiny silver boots. This does not scream science science central science lab nothing. It, it seems like they're just going to have like some kind of acid-fueled disco party. Yeah. It I was like what what is going on here? Are they the police? I think I asked you. I'm like, are they the police or are they like scientists? What's, what's that? Um, what's that famous uh, or, like group that always fights all the big monsters in all these movies? You know, in Japan and all that. Yakuza. No, the uh, oh. Earth Defense. Oh, Earth Defense. Earth Defense. I like the Yakuza. Literally... The Yakuza are fighting <laughs> monsters. I'm pretty sure they're the well, bad guys you said the and everything. Group in Japan. I didn't. I mean, I said they fight monsters. Oh, I don't know. Not, Maybe they fight monsters. Not create monsters. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Uh, yeah, they're like the Earth Defense Force. They're like the last stop on anything crazy happening. At least that's what it seems like here. My favorite thing about this room, when first off, they have a, um, a desk in the middle of the room that is some kind of giant panel of buttons. It spins around the room to face anything that they need to face. I, I love that. 
it takes up the whole middle of the room. Two guys are standing looking at those balls, those light-up balls, and one of them just stares at it and he goes, this looks bad. <laughs> yeah, this is a bad sign. I, I love that, that they can tell. We're reading the lights. And that's when our sci- head scientist guy comes in. Dr. Chang. He is now also in his science outfit. He is matching with them. They're all wearing the same silver with blue light of uh, blue stripes. Yeah, it it's it's hysterical. I mean, it, this is just straight out of a like a 70s, you know, Studio 54 type thing. It's amazing. And because he's a scientist, he's got a pipe. Yeah, of course. Well, he he, he gets in, they show him the balls. He's like, "Oh my god, it is real. It's it's oh, this is serious." Now, we need we have communication coming from this one area. It's Mount... What is it called? Mount Devil. Mount Devil. I love that they can tell that there's a problem at Mount Devil. To spin the thing around and look at it, there's an entire... I mean, this is the most... uh, Honestly, this is the most set up... Like, oh, the end of the world shot for them getting the satellite adjusted to look at Mount Devil. Lieutenant, direct our radar scanner toward Mount Devil. Yes, yeah. They have a countdown. It's like edge of your seat just to move a satellite. <laughs> like they count down for it, and they it's gotta be dramatic. They aim at Mount Devil, which is just like a normal mountain. Professor, scanner in position and ready to receive. Uh, keep it locked in for continued tracking. All of a sudden, when they finally get the, and by the way, the satellite dish. This is an odd. A satellite dish would pick up communication. This picks up visual. So I'm telling you, it's 2053. 20, yeah, 2015. <laughs> this is some serious shit. It's 2053 because you can see everything. Everything. You can see into the Earth's core. But the best part is the television is like a little one. It's like a little screen. It's like a tiny little screen and everybody's looking at it. Well, they can only afford so much. Yeah, I guess that's true. Emphasize the bigger part. Yes. Well, Mount Devil starts shaking, and it dust and like the dirt comes off to reveal that there was secretly always Castle Grayskull in there, or <laughs> oh yeah, wherever Skeletor hung out. Like oh it, it's God. just giant dragon skulls. Okay, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now that that is an awesome set piece. It. My thing that gets me is that no geologist ever found this. Well, no, because who would ever want to go into Mount Devil? I well, mean, it just sounds like you're going to die. I, well, the head scientist says, it's been it's been dormant for like a hundred years. Why now? <laughs> and another guy goes, they see the thing happen on screen. Everybody freaks the fuck out when they see this. And this one guy goes, there's radiation coming from that. He's in another room in a new area, and mm-hmm. they're looking at a picture on this on a screen, and he goes, there's radiation coming from this. Okay. Well, you know, I'm so glad you know that. Yeah. It, it seems like everybody has knowledge of, of what's going on, and they literally never show you what exactly is going on until yeah. later. But that's when we are introduced to the world's best villain character ever. Greetings to you, Earthlings. I am Princess Dragomon. I have taken over this planet. Now I own the Earth, and you'll be my slaves for all eternity. 
The disasters you experienced are just small examples of our great power. Either surrender to me or I'll destroy all humans. I've spoken. It's all the warning you're going to get from me. You'll be destroyed. Yeah, she really is. Because she flashes on screen in front. They're like, something's happening. And it is Princess Dragon Mom. This woman's costume, I swear. And I think that, I hate to bring this movie up because it's an abomination, but in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, <laughs> one of my most hated movies of all time, I feel like Sindel, the character of Sindel and the actress playing her, has somehow modeled her acting after this. Because this character, even though Princess Dragon Mom is far superior to Sindel, I I just feel like they're kind of you know this the same in a, in a lot of ways. But this character, Princess Dragon Mom, she's just it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. the The actress <laughs> playing her is so pretty, but she's wearing this outrageous costume that I myself have said I should be cosplaying. I've, I should have already cosplayed. This. I think we've said this for so many years. I've never done it. Yeah, I mean, I would love to, and you could be in for man, and I can be Princess Dragon Mom. There's epic. so many things from this movie to be. There's so many. F there's just so many hilarious I mean, things. I can see you totally plastering up a costume, like that green booger guy. Oh or, my god, you we know, gotta get to that. Yeah, uh, she's definitely Sindel. It, it is. It's so wild is. and. Any, of course, the thing that's going to be the most recognizable when you look at this movie it, is to anybody ever watch Power Rangers. Everything in this movie seems like it was taken, the Power Rangers took from this. Oh, for because sure. the, uh, the main villain is this character. Yeah. But this character, like when you were saying what she looks like, it's, and by the way, the dragon that belly flopped onto the street is her. Yes, so she can shapeshift into a dragon, but just picture the dragon looking like something like a Gorn from Star Trek from 1966. Like oh, the guy in the yeah. suit, the the you know bendy, um, ridiculous rubbery suit that you know sometimes opens if they move the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yep. that that kind of suit. It was so cheesy. It was so freaking cheesy but it i don't know why everything about the character of princess dragon mom is amazing yeah yeah it's a highlight in this film it, it's one of those moments that just starts making me laugh instantly yeah it's mostly because the dubbing is intense and going fast mm -hmm. every time she's on screen yeah and though she's doing a voice trying to capture this this witch type character yeah that the the, the Dub, the dub actress is just going nuts with it. It's amazing because she comes off as cute, not menacing. <laughs> like, just looking at the actress playing her, she's so pretty. Did you? Yeah, I don't even know if we, we got this detail of her. She has blonde hair underneath a dragon helmet. The helmet's amazing. It's, like, all gold. It's, like, perfectly sculpted out of papier-mâché. <laughs> Everything is so odd. There's gold armor, gold helmet, gold armor on top of a green scaly dress like thing. Yeah. And then she is wearing a pink princess, uh, like, it's like a, a cape. A cape. Yeah, it's a pink, a see-through chiffon cape <laughs> with a paper mache helmet. It's amazing. Um, her makeup is 
boss. I mean, she looks so good. She has these boots that are like thigh-high boots. I mean, she just looks banging. Oh, and the best part of the outfit is that she wears, for gloves, <laughs> one of her hands, she wears a hand puppet. It, it is. is a dragon hand <laughs> puppet where she holds a whip and constantly whips at everything. When she needs something done, she'll whip at it. It's it's just it's it's five kinds of amazing. It, it's amazing. It's just amazing. She's so she appears on the screen so that Dr. Chang and the science centralists <laughs> can see that she's a the villain. Biker gang. The biker gang. No, Ziggy Stardust dusters. <laughs> they are actually a biker gang. They all have motorcycles. Um, that is so, the mode. That is the transportation in the future. So she, her mo. Okay, so her whole thing is she needs to contact Doctor Chang on the screen and tell him, "Look, if you do not obey me and become my slave, then all humans will be enslaved. Like we're going to enslave the human race if you don't do what I tell you." Yeah, she she says that she made the earthquake and she set the city on fire. Yep, it was all her doing, and her goons, all of her monsters. She says, yeah, the the ice monsters, mm -hmm. that I have a horde of monsters under my control. Yeah, so they all terrorize the city, start the fires, you know. We just, didn't see it, but yeah. Yeah, they didn't show it, but they, but she, she tells Dr. Chang and his cohorts that, you know, look, motherfucker, you don't come on my side. I'm going to enslave everybody, and every, lots of people are going to die. So what I love here is he's basically giving them a demand that you do what I want or I'll kill everybody. But then it's never clear what her demands are. Right. She just wants to rule the earth. She's just like, everybody stop what you're doing. Wait for my next mo step or I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know how she has capabilities to command, you know, every single human being on earth. But we don't need to know that because she's Princess Dragon Mom and she just... Is you know she's just there, and yeah. so she can just say her like what her intentions are, and everyone's just gonna follow her. That's I mean basically she wants to enslave the human race. That's, That's what it. she wants. Yeah. This is the the whole movie's plot. Lieutenant Quan, I need a computer printout on the princess. It's important we learn all we can of her. Our destiny may depend on that. Yes, sir. And uh, it, there's just no way that this movie could be more fun from this moment on. This movie is amazingly fun. Yeah, and what I love is the next shot that the head scientist guy, he has gone to the group of all the government officials. They all sit around the table like you do in every movie, and they discuss while chain smoking <laughs> in, in a, the smokiest room ever about what's going on. And they're all just kind of like, yeah, this is serious. We need to do something. No shit. And... It's not really established what that is, but they call instantly for a character who is out saving the day, who's named Rama. No, you're thinking of the, oh, the raid. I'm sorry. What? Oh my <laughs> His god. His name is Rima. Rima. I don't know why I said Rama. <laughs> well, because you know, Eco. He's always in our, always in our brain and yeah. our hearts. They but... need to remake this with him. Oh uh, my god! Yeah. Rima. Rima. Now. He, to establish that he's the best, he is in one of those flaming buildings and he is catching people on fire and he grabs a child before he's burned and jumps out of a building. Yeah, we, I mean, 
we know right off, right out of the gate that Rima is pretty badass. Like he's like top notch of the, <laughs> the science centralists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's under the, the guidance of Dr. Chang. And uh, obviously we know, you know, what's going to happen with him. He's the best of the best. So, well, he's called, they said, we need you instantly back at the base that we have a mission. And he and another guy jump on motorcycles and they head back. And when they get there, we're kind of shown that the head scientist is basically telling him, look, I need to talk to you privately in in my science lab. And uh, I have something I have to talk to you about. So he brings him back there and we see that or we're told that his project, the thing that he's been working on his entire life is the Inframan, a being that would, he would have to take a human and genetically modify him to become this superhero that he's creating that will be able to beat any monster. We don't know how yet. We just know that he's going to be the one. Well, this guy, he instantly goes, well, he goes, I will have to like enhance the body. I will have to do these procedures and go under the skin and genetically modify and change the DNA and do all this stuff. And then he goes, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, there's no hesitation whatsoever. So I want to be the hero that saves the day. He actually says, I want to be the hero that saves the day. No hesitation. And I get that. I think that's really noble and I think it's awesome. However, the doctor injects him with like the most sus like substance you've ever seen it's like almost like like jelly goo yeah but and puts him under before that he actually tells him he goes oh you probably die i'm probably (laughs) gonna kill you you won't survive the procedure you might not survive the procedure (laughs) procedure you might die because i'm going to make your body a nuclear reactor he actually says this to this guy, and he goes, yes. uh, "I'm willing." You know, I understand I, the I cons understand of this the, uh, uh, procedure, and I'm I'm willing. Yeah. So he's powered by a mini nuclear reactor, reactor, and he's okay with this. But the best thing is, is that they just they don't show you any kind of blood or guts or gore or anything of him undergoing like what you would think uh, a modified superhuman man would Every, go through. Everything that happens here is so questionable. He he puts the he puts him on a table and you can see that only in a towel over his crotch. Only in a towel over his crotch, but you can see flashes of the most the single most cartoony like robot body parts. They basically do in camera flashes of animated robot parts on over his, his body. Like over his body, so it looks like they're in his skin. Yeah. It is so comical and so cartoony. It's just impossible. When I was a child, I loved this scene. I thought this was the coolest damn thing I'd ever seen. I was like, whoa. It makes sense because you're a kid and you're like, oh my God, look at those special effects. It's like Wolverine's animantium skeleton. I understand. Yeah. And and I still don't. I still don't know what the hell's going on. Just like I don't really understand Wolverine's procedure. But uh, yeah, they basically, what I love is that uh rima is freaking out like he's just like and then they're doing all this and of course they're showing a montage of the parts that are going to put into him 
and you're seeing the things under his skin by these flashes. But he's not cutting him. He's not doing anything. But mm-hmm. you're right. You were saying before that he injects him with a needle full of goo. And what we had laughed at is that it's clearly got air in it. <laughs> it's like a giant bubble is inside. It just gave and him he a just injects embolism. Him. Yeah. It just killed him. <laughs> uh, that's probably why, because this scientist is not very good at his job. This scientist is the worst. He's supposed to be the best of the best. And he... No gloves, <laughs> no radiation suits. But there's no, there's no operation. There's it's nothing. Just like the, he just injects him with some goo and puts him on a table and even, you see lights flashing. <laughs> even Victor Frankenstein had a helper. Yeah. This guy does not even have a helper in this room. He doesn't. It's amazing. It's like, it's, it's just so astounding how there's just a couple of flashing lights and then you see like the flashes of like the skeleton over his body. Yes, that's it. He'll be impervious. No power exists that's able to destroy what I shall create. And he will destroy those monsters, sir. I want to be the one who saves the Earth, Inframan. Rayma, you'll have to go through the sufferings of hell. Yes, and perhaps die. Ah. Mm. Is your mind made up without a doubt? Sir, I'm prepared to die to save mankind. I am ready. Mm. During this process, we cut back to Princess Dragon Mom, who now we see has a lineup of the goofiest villains of all time lined up, ready to go. And also, I have to point out, she has henchmen that are skeleton man men in biker outfits. Okay, the the entrance of her goons is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. <laughs> I summon all of you to attend! an ultimatum either they agree to become my slaves or they'll be destroyed because not only do i love the way the cheesiness of the 19 like 60s that they were going for i mean they're all made out of like foam latex it looks it's ridiculous but we have to talk about each one of these that come that we see in the shot well then can we please start with the skeleton men because they were my favorite looking of all of the henchmen they had this black and white like vinyl outfit on and they looked like motorcycle helmets again yeah motorcycle helmets black motorcycle helmets but they had their faces were were skeletons yes and they looked something straight out of like a scooby doo episode it, it was just amazing um i i love them the best they didn't i don't really think they had a special skill no did they? no they just died they, they're they stormtroopers there they're yeah. stormtroopers but they just looked really fun yeah. Um, like Spooky Space Kook in um in uh, Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> they looked exactly like the Spooky Space Kook. Um, I, I will say that that uh, Joel from Mr. Science Theater uh, was heavily influenced by this movie because he said that he made the Kinga character 
around Princess Dragon Mom and also made the band of the new seasons of Mr. Science Theater called the Skeleton Crew based <laughs> on these the 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 yeah. look of these guys. They but were the best. They, I love them. Well, they they're just funny looking. But yeah. the best are actually the villains in the lineup that we're introduced to and they're a rowdy bunch because the voiceover actors for these guys are top notch bananas. <laughs> Like, I'm going to get you, one, one just keeps going like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, what was wrong with him? It's like he had diarrhea. <laughs> he, he actually looks like a poop, too. Like, he, he does. Like, oh, God, I'm going to do it. I mean, um, how do you describe him? How would you describe him? He looks like a booger. He's a booger with a drill hand and, a, <laughs> and another hand that's a shovel. And he had a pair of boots on. And he is, looks like he's wearing army pants with boots. <laughs> he had clothes. And he's the one that just keeps going. Um, and they had comical eyeballs, and it just everything was like so. Just, he, he actually looks uh, like the when you get Play-Doh and you mix a couple of the colors together, and it makes a shit brown, a shit green. Yes. Color, and it's just like a lump, and you made a little turd. That's him. Yeah, he looks like he really does look like a turd. Like you, you ate too many greens, and that's the result. Yeah, I agree. And and for some reason during this movie, I don't even think this is a character's name, but during the movie, a few times, it sounds like Princess Dragon Mom calls him Nemesis. I do not really know if that's what's happening there. But she keeps calling him or saying, Nemesis, take care of this. But it's it, none of these characters actually get names. I feel like she's talking to the villains as a whole. No, like, she only says it to this one particular guy. I, don't, uh, I didn't catch that. There's also a green broccoli vine character who's like a plant. Okay, this is also a Scooby-Doo villain? <laughs> he, this guy, it it is wild. He just looks like a bunch of like root like floppy roots flying around yeah he really does and it's just so comical that they they thought and they did but they they thought they can get away with this costume oh i i i'm i was sold i mean he it clear oh god i can't it, it's clearly ripping it's a hot mess i mean the the poor actor inside of that thing must have been dying but yeah, yeah it's so next up we terrible. have uh what looks like sweetums from the muppets lost weight because we have a hairball, it's a per, it's a it looks a clearly like a maybe a skinny woman in orange tights that is wearing that like a hairball on her the top of her head, and she has devil horns in there. Yeah, and she just keeps going <laughs> right, and then there is what I call the penis pirate. There is a green scaly character who's wearing a giant helmet on his head that from the side it looks like a penis head yeah and it's got horns coming out of it that match his giant comical pirate mustache <laughs> okay that guy then we have oh please don't let me forget any characters here because we also have two of my favorite matching slinky robot men okay well can we just say that they're they're completely identical yes they're matched or twin scale uh, robot slinky men now what is the significance of their heads coming off because we'll get to that when it happens we don't see that for a very long two. time i <laughs> love it i can't 
I just we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But who, who am I forgetting? Um, I don't. Oh, mm-hmm. and then there is an orange Spider-Man who also talks like this. <laughs> let me have. Let me get down, from Princess Spider Mom. I will kill him. <laughs> I think I'm actually doing that really good. I think um, it is very good, yes. Not us out them. We'll get to stop him. It's unreal. Uh, I can't make out if those are words or, but yeah. Oh, well, and there's a couple of scenes in this where you cannot make out what the villain has just said. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I have trouble. And it's overdubbed, for God's sake. Yeah, it's like so rushed. Um, they're all in there. They're a rowdy bunch. And they're saying to, hey, uh, Princess Dragon Mom. Let us at them. Let us kill them. <laughs> right? And Princess Dragon Mom's like, hmm. I said the wait. But yeah, they're not doing what I asked them to do. I don't know what that is because no one's done anything. She didn't say to do she anything. Has, there's nothing real. She just says, you know what? You two, I want to pick you two because the plant guy, he says, um, I am the best. I can't be beaten. I will kill everyone for you. And she's like, you're right. You two, I like. So she, za- now for some reason, they're like not. voice. It's like Bane went deranged. They're not in the room with her for some strange reason. They're in another location and she is instantly able to beam them into the room, which is great, because there's a comical noise like this. It shall not be long. You will attack the instant you get the command from me. We see a freeze frame of the characters all in the lineup. They just freeze and the character is slowly erased and then brought into where she is. Yeah. So she brings in. This is why I think they they watch Star Trek. <laughs> it. I mean, they, I mean, any everybody did right. Um, it's the worst transporter technology I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it is, it's so yeah. bad. It's more like Mike TV being removed in Willy Wonka or something. <laughs> he, Booger Man. Uh, is that what we're calling him? Yeah, we're calling him Booger Man. He looks like a GI Booger. GI Booger and uh, the 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 weird broccoli dude are brought in and she then this is one of the my favorite bits she says you two are the best you're the most competent and you're the two that i trust will take care of this for me Here's so the thing. now they, they're the first two that means everybody else they're sucks. not that good that's what i'm, I'm laughing at because that a, after that you're like well if they're the best and they're the first two to get like later dispatched Obviously, the people after aren't going to have any problem getting killed. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, you two are my best. You'll take care of this. And she sends them. Now, what's really odd is she sends the 
plant man to attack Science Central. Yeah, but why? He he's he doesn't even have any special abilities. He's just a giant Actually, his, piece of broccoli. His ability is pretty amazing. Not really. I mean, well, well I mean, well, he... Yeah. Okay. So he attacks she, them, yeah. but he, he can also become, like, go underground, become small and be, go, go underground, and his tentacles will come through the ground and just eat everything. Like a plant, he's making himself roots that are attacking the base. He's a giant plant. Yeah. And they go through a whole entire fight scene of just the, the tentacles... Grabbing up all of the, what are you calling them, scientists? No, the soldiers. The soldiers. Um, and they're they're trying to, to fight this thing. And then... They're just fighting. By the way, they're fighting the root by shooting it. Yeah, they're shooting it. And and it, it's very suspect. If you watch closely, they're shooting each other in the head. But they, they clearly yeah. are. They clearly are. But like this, the, the roots are everywhere. And it's just kind of like obliterating the whole group. It's destroying uh, Science Central. Yeah, for sure. The whole place is like on fire. It's a freaking hot mess. And that is when... It actually turns off the power. It does turn off the power. But there's this one this one brave guy um, who, you know, hits the intercom and says to the doctor, he says, Dr. Chang, you know, we're under attack. And Dr. Chang says, hit the power. Yeah, and because I remember when he's calling him. They have no power. That's right. He, they have no he's power. Able to call he's him. Able to call him. So while he's getting attacked and he's getting, you know, the, the the freaking tree monster or whatever is like pulling his leg and trying to like get him to come, get in, like throwing him around. He actually manages to pull a panel open in the floor and hit the power. At which point our hero is activated. Well, I, we we have to point out though because the scientist says to this guy, "Hey, turn the power back on." Because um, Rima might die. Now, meanwhile, everyone else is getting des like just destroyed. Yeah. Well, he only cares about Rima because yeah, Rima. he's the freaking you know, you know uh, what do you call him? He's like the hero. He's, he's the hero. The yeah. protagonist, and he's going to be Inframan. Yep. And that's what exactly happens. The power comes back on. Rima is able to finalize his transformation. The most unexplainable thing happens here. It turns out that Rima's power as Inframan is that he can grow his suit. <laughs> he's At naked. will. He's naked. And then he, when the power gets flipped, he automatically gets this red suit and a helmet. And it just... And shoulder pads. And shoulder pads. Like, it, it's unbelievable, this outfit. It, he looks like a bug. It's, it's funny. But... He's, I mean, super futuristic, you, you know? And you can tell he's extremely powerful you can because tell, that's yeah. he starts kicking the room apart. But yes. it's clearly PVC pipe that's oh, supposed to be goodness. metal piping. He's kicking PVC pipe to show his strength. It's it's a bit extra, oh. but we have to know that he's powerful, so he has to do that shit. So all, all of a sudden, he's just ready to go. He's ready to fight. Now, I asked you this question because, yeah, he goes in... He starts fighting the tentacle monster. But I don't understand, like, what is the difference between Inframan and Rima? Because Rima is a good martial artist as he, as it was. Yes. So when he puts on the suit or he changes into, you know, Inframan or whatever, yeah. he's still doing the same shit that he did when he was not wearing. But did Rima ever do backflips 
to the extent in the air that he can fly his boots into anybody. <laughs> because I don't think that he could do that. Well, beforehand. he didn't have the boots before, and the boots yes. can like like fire shoots out of the boots, and like they're they're like rocket boots. Yeah. So now well, he has those. I will say that the power of Inframan is whatever the hell the the writers th- could think of at the moment. That's it. This is the Superman of the fifties where they were just like, what character, what, what can he do? Everything. He can literally do If you can think everything. of it, Rima can do it now. And then they keep repeatedly showing this shot of him doing the flip in the air and flying. How many times do you think? I'm going to say that that happens a total of 15 times in this movie. How many times do you think he backflips or flips? I'm going to say I can count maybe... I don't know, 20? I counted 59 flips. Really? I'm way under. If you're ready for a drinking game. You were counting? I was counting. If you're ready for a drinking game, this is the drinking game for this movie. But it's the same Drink every time there's a flip. It's like literally recycled. From Inframan. It's recycled every time, though. Oh, every single... They're just recycling the freaking shot over and over. His first appearance, because basically they're under attack. And so he says... You know, Rima, go fight them as an Inframan. Go save everybody. You can see through walls. And he goes, oh, yeah, I can see through the wall, and I know they're all being attacked. I know how to use everything instantly. Yeah. No learning curve. No. Now I'm going to open. Now, but this is great. They're on the ground. He opens up a skylight. (laughs) And Inframan is able to fly out, and every time he flies up into the air, that's when he does his flips. He does... I think every time is a series of four flips over and over and over until he can fly. Until and then he, he flies. It's, yeah. it's some reason these flips are necessary for him to get into flying position. Yeah, it's weird. But like, why do you need to? Yeah, you, he flips for no reason. But the best part is like, why do you feel the need to like recycle this shot? Like, can't you do something else? Like make him do something else? Like, it just looks so ridiculous. It's it's. And I, I just, it adds to the charm. It adds to I mean, the if insane you say so, charm. I, I'm like, okay, I, this is ridiculous over and over and over the same thing. But yeah, so. He goes and fights the plant monster. And he, the, the, I mean, Virg, and by the way, when he jumps up into the air and does his flips, not only does every single other uh, person in their, in his squad, they all instantly go, Inframan. Okay. And also, I did, I did say something to you about that. We show, we see a two kids and a woman on the beach, and they look up and they say, "Inframan." That's Inframan. 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 He's here. Well, that gets explained. Even if it gets explained, why do they all know? Well, first of all, this is his. This is his first appearance to anyone. Yes. So nobody would know who Inframan is. They're treating him like a national treasure already. Yeah. Is the is the boss is he telling everybody who works with them that he, that's his goal? I mean, it's so bizarre. Like how long has he been planning this? Because it seemed like if he was planning it for a long time to make Inframan, it only took 34 seconds for Inframan to be born. Yeah, and not only that, you think there would be some like other tests in the past. But yeah. but was he prepared for a princess dragon mom attack scenario? I mean, I'm guessing he was he was being prepared for something. Wow. And so he was going to 
um, build this hero to to you know save the the earth or whatever if he needed to. That's what he says too. He, he says doesn't, that. Yeah, like, but he doesn't. He didn't anticipate. Who could anticipate Princess Dragon Mom? I mean, nobody anticipates you, Princess Dragon Mom. <laughs> I have to point out too that the science scientist says that these monsters that they're fighting predate the Ice Age. That is true. How and does he know? Does is there like a humanoid yes. monster checklist that they have? Like, oh, we have a the body from yeah. uh, before the ice age of this plant monster. I was gonna ask you about that. Like, does Princess Dragon Mom ever say anything like that? She doesn't. She. It's so weird too because maybe in the uh, the undub the actual audio for this movie, do they make a little bit of sense from it? Because. They constantly make references to them to being Ice Age villains or monsters. I mean, you can just tell by looking at them. They don't look futuristic like the wardrobe would suggest or the technology would suggest. I mean, they don't look it, futuristic at all. They don't look past either. They look like comical Spirit of Halloween, uh, you know, Spirit Halloween costumes. I mean, loose. you're right. And it's like literally the, the turd monster, he looks like a dinosaur turd i mean he looks he like, doesn't look like a, he doesn't look like a dinosaur he doesn't look like a woolly mammoth any creature that we know from the ice age it's just or so, before the ice like, age i mean he looks like he he could be in that era like, they're all humanoid just, it's so weird but they all they're all wearing boots yeah it, like, it's so and they can speak I can't believe I'm saying they that. speak whatever language the movie needs them to speak too which is wild yeah they do well anyways Rima is a is Inframan is able to fight the broccoli monster, and he is able to kill him by seeing that he's hiding in a little part in his heart, so he attacks it because he has. Every time this movie needs you to know there's a power, we get we basically hear the scientist boss scientist guy in his mind mm-hmm. because he's told. Oh, and by the way, not only are did you form a suit around your body somehow but your suit also comes intact with throwable chinese like bombs yeah like uh, they're they're like little darts they look like little darts they're on his chest it he grew he is growing basically he isn't he can never run out of ammo because his body just produces it yes and also it should be noted that the sun does play a part in his powers that okay that that doesn't come in here that comes in later on and that's another baffling thing that happens in this movie that's still really not explained but we're told that he's a he's a walking power plant mm-hmm, he is. so it shouldn't have anything to do with the sun whatsoever so he is able to kill the plant monster he's able to find him the source of his power cut it down and they have a little fist fight and by the way every sound effect in this movie is that 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 and, and, and but like it's, the, the freaking fists never land, or the it never, never lands land, to the, but you the sound still effect. Get that dreadful, like old, like um, like spaghetti kung fu um, movie, like psh, 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 like punching sounds, and it just annoys the shit out of me. And also, the dubbing person, they had to do all the dubbing for the sound effects. They went overboard, especially for us a, a quiet scene where you hear walking. You have to hear all of the tapping of the feet across this yeah. room. And they do it all over and over throughout this movie. It makes me laugh so hard. He kills the broccoli monster. But here, here's what I love. There was two monsters sent. 
The other monster, for some reason, doesn't help the broccoli monster. Instead, he attacks a car with one of the other soldiers in it by lifting it up in the air and taking the guy who's driving it hostage. Yes. So this this scene, I, I didn't understand this too much. because It doesn't make much it, sense. I mean, why would he just take this one guy? Like, yep. If you're going to brainwash someone to be on your side... Why won't you take the, the lead scientist, Dr. Chang? Yeah, and, and that's odd, is that this monster didn't join in that fight. He did something. He attacked this car off base. Yeah, and it was weird. And it, it's clearly not Princess Dragonmon's, uh, Dragon Mom's uh, her goal for him. She didn't tell him the plan, go with this car, because the reaction is when they bring this guy in front of them, they're all like, now let's kill this guy. Because they're like, because the guy wakes up. I can't remember this character's name. He's he's in a bunch of this opening of this movie. He's actually in it before uh, Rima is. Yeah, he's uh, in it a lot. He he says himself, "Why did you take me prisoner? Why didn't you just kill me?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's kill him." <laughs> so the question isn't like, so even the monsters don't know why he took him, right? And then Princess Dragonmon's like, "No, don't kill him. I have another plan for him." So she had no idea that he was even going to be brought there. Yeah, no idea. That wasn't like her her whole diabolical plan to take a hostage. Yeah. We're introduced now to Princess Dragon Mom's sidekick, uh, woman sidekick. Yeah. Do you want to talk about her? Okay, first of all, she's awesome. Uh, the way she looks. I love her outfit. I can't she's, remember her name. She has a funny name, too. Um, Isn't she devil? Is it she devil? I think it's she devil. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, and she has the best outfit. She's just... She looks like she stepped out of like a like 1980s Motley Crue video. It's like Madonna fashion though. It's weird. She has yeah. like a cone gold yeah. bra. Yeah. And she has a a huge skeleton belt buckle that is so clearly not well suited for her because it is squeezing her her stomach so tight that her stomach is bulging out of it. Yeah. It's like pushing fat out of... She doesn't even a fat woman. It's just making her look like she has a muffin top. Yeah, it wasn't a flattering costume at all, but I liked the, the way the costume... Like, I liked the look of the costume. Like, it wasn't flattering on her, but... I mean, anyone else... I do else, not like this costume at all. I mean, it looked uncomfortable, but it was a cool look. Like, I liked her helmet and everything. No, her helmet's so bad. She has one spike, like a rhino. Yeah, like a but rhino. But a baby rhino. It's like only one little nub cute. sticking out of the top of her forehead. It was a cute paper mache rhino hat. It was cute. Now... She's a completely human-looking person, except she has giant comical fake hands that yeah. have giant fingers. So these were clearly gloves. You could see you can it see was them, ridiculous. Yeah. But they had eyeballs on the palms of her hands. Yes. So when she like lifted up her hands, they shot out laser beams. They shoot out laser beams because <laughs> they their their idea is to hypnotize and brainwash this guy that they kidnapped. And the way that they do it is they sit him in a recliner and play with his brain. And then they say, okay, that's, oh, <laughs> invade his, his receptors. I, there's some crazy shit. She says some funny shit, but then she goes, oh, now, now uh, totally finish the job. And the only way to finish his job is this woman holds up her eye hands and they shoot laser beams into his eyes. 
Yeah, it, Actually, one of them misses because you can see the thing goes off the screen by accident, no not to his eyes. It just—it makes no sense at all. It's like they're just doing this for just to add something extra for the kids. It's—it's <laughs> it's wild, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna send him back now." And his mission is to infiltrate the base and kill Inframan. Yes, but why him? Like the whole point is like she has these monsters that could do do the job just fine but this is a normal man he's just a regular man so why would he it doesn't make any sense it's yeah when he gets back too when he gets back he's clearly not right he's like gray and his eyes are like circles on them and everybody's like where have you been you were kidnapped by the monsters yeah he looks like a, he looks like a zombie and i don't know if you were listening but you can hear one of the guys in the background say what's going on with your eyes yes yeah and it is actually rima is instantly goes. Did you see his face? You see yeah, his like he wrong definitely looks messed up. Yeah, and he's uh, so now he's supposed to be infiltrating the the base of operations at the Science Central, and um, and he's clearly a bad guy. Which I mean, first of all, you take a look at him; you could just lock him right up because he just looks like something's not right. Yeah, the 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 head scientist agrees and says, "Watch him closely." Although the guy is very behind on watching closely because by the time he catches up with him, he's already taken down a guard, broken to the science lab, and stolen all of the plans for Inframan. <laughs> he stole the, the, fa- the blueprints the to blueprints. make him. <laughs> and my favorite bit is that the one guy he knocked unconscious by staring into his eyes, his eyes turned green and they knocked this guy out. It looks like he fries this guy's brain. But my favorite bit is that the guy who was told to watch him closely comes in and finds that guy laying on the floor and the guy is still alive and he just goes, he's over there <laughs> and doesn't get up to help. He just he lays just there and just points a, he's over there. He yeah. He had a, a long shoot the night before, so he figured that it was owed to him to just lie down on the floor. Just keep, keep on the floor. I mean, he's, his face looked like it melted. I it can't believe he's hysterical. even alive. I was like, is he is he dead? He's so comically he's like, yeah, he's okay. Over he's over there. He's over there. <laughs> Go get him. Uh, so yeah, there there's a chase because he ru- goes for the run, and the guy who was sent to cha- follow him chases him on his motorcycle, and he's led it to an ambush. There is the spider monster was sent to guard him or collect this guy while he stole the blueprints, and he is also joined by his little skeleton gang. I love those guys. And this one dude who isn't even the main character is able to fight this entire group until Rima and his the squad all shows up on their motorcycles to help out. This guy fights them for a while. He's actually only stopped when the spider finally has to use a power on him. He actually spits on him and puts him in a ball. Yeah. A webbed ball cage. And that's when uh, Rima and everybody come in and they all fight. And Rima does a lot of the fighting without being Inframan. But then... That's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he could have done this without being Inframan. And, like, for 20 minutes solid, you're just, like, hearing... Psh, psh, yeah. Psh, psh. And <laughs> Rima... And the only reason Rima... And, by the way, the, the guy got away with the blueprints. He's back at the base. Mm-hmm. But the, the spider's still fighting them off. And the only reason Rima has to turn to Super Inframan is because the spider last attempt to, to fight and kill these guys decides to grow in size mm-hmm. and he grows to a gigantic size like a kaiju like an actual kaiju monster yeah. and that Rima turns into Inframan 
and now also can grow in size and knows that he can do this. I mean, this is some freaking next level shit right here. If he can grow that big, yeah. why can't you just grow that big and then step on them all? And Like, why didn't you do that in the first place? And it, you think it'll come back? No, he never does it again. No, he only does it once, but he does step on the villain. He does. And then, like, the green goo comes squishing out of yeah, it. Yeah, like he swept on, stepped on a real bug. Yeah, it was gross, but it... He um, even sounds like the fly. Help me, help me, help me. Um, which but is a funny little touch. The best thing is, like, literally, the movie could... I mean, I guess they couldn't do it because movie, but it, the movie could have been over in, like, ten minutes because he could have just grown to that size. It's like, does he have to watch other villains do that thing before he can do that thing? Is he, like, adapting uh, to that special power? Yeah, and, yeah, that's what it seems like. Because he, he... I mean, he just does things out of the blue that are amazing... That it seems like he always knew he could do, but uh, why didn't you use that before? Yeah. It makes no sense. And and this is even better. The, the the head scientist now tells him, hey, by the way, I haven't given you all the the weapons that you can use to fight off the bad guys. In fact, I have one more. It's called Thunderball Fists. <laughs> and he goes, huh? Thunderball? I can have such a thing? And he says, yes. Thunderball Fists. <laughs> There are other weapons I haven't given you as yet. For success, it's essential you have Thunderball Fists. I can have such a thing. That's right. Thunderball Fist. And sure as shit, he gives him these new gauntlet-like gloves that are super strong and punch. That he said he can break anything with his gloves. In fact, he they were able to make the most... The strongest element of all time from Africa, which is made from diamond dust. <laughs> I didn't ask you about that. And heated in a, in a, in a reactor and oh. turned into this circular, you know, uh, item. Looks like a bowling ball. And he says, now break it. <laughs> and your, his thunderball fists are able to break the most unbreakable element ever. It's amazing. African dust, diamond dust, so, I, I, whatever the hell's going on here. And yet again, this is a power yeah. that goes nowhere. And he goes, well, it does. And then he goes, you are unstoppable now. Oh, oh by the way, these also have uh, Thunderball discs that can shoot out and cut anything. Yes, which goes nowhere too, because he does not take out a single villain with these. He definitely does and i don't remember end. that it should you should remi remember because it's the craziest ending ever aren't the fists supposed to be like coming off of his arm that he uses that yeah okay i didn't see that happen yeah he so and here's really funny he goes by the way your thunderball fists are solar paneled and they are powered by the sun Okay, now that's very confusing, right? Because he's already powered by a reactor. He's, Why does he also need to be powered, have gloves? Yeah, he's and already also, nuclear. And also, his suit is basically a part of him, and it comes out of him. So what what you're telling me is that when he can become Super Inframan, he he somehow has to pull out gloves now? Because yeah. where are the gloves going to? In his it, back pocket? I mean, it seems like they're always on. Because they 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 have spikes on. Them. No, my point is that the Inframan is he's like a Wolfman. Yeah. So he turns into Inframan when he needs to. Right. 
It comes out of him. The suit is actually a part of his body. Yeah, he does like a little mantra. But and the like... Thunderball fists are not. That's true. He would have to put them in his back pocket every time he turns back into Rima. That's like an added appendage. It's like something he has to carry around now. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't that be a part of the information? Like, if he put him back under and said, I'm going to add more stuff to you. Yeah, that's a good point. It's really odd. I mean, it's just like, here, put any... these Thunderball fists on. Yeah, he, he doesn't have any pockets in that suit. So where is he keeping that? Where is he keeping these? That's a, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's baffling. But it's also powered by the sun. Well, that is why the guy stole the blueprints and has also still has the Thunderball fist blueprints. And so he, Princess Dragon Mom, now let's just remember this. Princess Dragon Mom, Mom is in a castle that was underneath a mountain, a volcanic, volcanic mountain. Mount Devil. Mount Devil. That has technology. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It has been, they said it's a hundred years or longer. It's weird. That volcano has been dead for a thousand years. That it hasn't been touched. And she has video screens, cameras, digital beaming equipment, things that can change people's minds. She has all these abilities in this base. I don't understand this at all. She also has a squadron of jet um, of boats. Yes, and she has this awesome dragon fountain. <laughs> she has a dragon fountain. Where is the water coming from? Dr. Evil's trap door to a uh, volcanic uh, pit. Oh my god! I, it's so it's weird. Well, they are able to put the 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 thunderball fists that she sees it on screen. She goes, "Wait, stop on those thunderball fists!" <laughs> and then he, she's like, "Oh, stop, enhance." And she goes, "Ah, I found a weakness in his gloves in his gauntlet. They're solar paneled, and I can block out the sun. We can make him weak." This is the most ridiculous plot line i have ever seen yeah it it doesn't make a lick of sense okay so she releases she I, doesn't even do that now she does it later yeah but it it doesn't <laughs> she they, virtually what happens in the movie is they keep sending the villains out to ta- attack them yeah it's this ongoing like psh, psh, psh. yeah she actually sends booger man and she sends um the guy who's uh, under uh, their control to go put dynamite underneath this uh, science base and blow it up. Oh my God. That's right. That's right. While this is happening, it turns out the scientist, his daughter is the one that was on the beach with the two kids. And they're the ones that said Inframan, his daughter. And these, these are also his two kids. They don't, their mothers passed on. Mm -hmm. And, they're on the beach, and they're basically the little girls like, oh, dad showed us the plans to Inframan. You think I could be Infra-girl one day? I want to be Infra-girl. I feel like, are they setting something up here? Because that'd be awesome. I guess. It's so it's so weird. The scene is so out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. It's like uh, just an added bonus of characters all of a sudden. Basically, it's like telling you, oh, it's very hard to be Inframan. You have to go through so much. They actually freak slowly pan on the daughter's face as she's looking off, thinking about the pain that R- Rima went through. How does she even know? I don't know. She wasn't there for any of it. Um, well, they are on the beach and they see that there's a cave and they go to the cave 
And they're like, let's go in this cave. This is the most pointless scene of all time. It, it turns out that the cave leads to the underground passageway that the monster and this guy are going to put the dynamite to blow up the base. Yeah, so what happens next, can you imagine? The kids get taken hostage. Dino came out of there, it's dangerous! When we blow it up, science headquarters will be powerless. Get the charge ready. <laughs> it's, yeah, they it, actually kidnap the two kids, and the other the, the little girl gets away. The, uh, yeah, they kidnap the the little boy, and then the 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 daughter, the older daughter, goes, "Where are you?" And she goes in, and she goes, "Oh, are you tied up?" She finds it right. She goes. That you was the tied stupidest up. scene I have ever seen in my she life. She doesn't freak out. She's just like, like, oh, you're oh, not tied sure. up. Oh, you're tied oh, up. Oh, okay, you're tied up. And then they can't kidnap her. And so um, they also put the dynamite in there and they set it on fire. The little girl just walks off and she's like, no one wants to play with me. She runs into Rima and she says, oh, he's like, where's your uh, sister and your brother? Oh, no one wants to play with me. I'm depressed. And they're like, they went in this cave. And she's like, he's like, they just left you. That's not like them. And she's like, yeah, they're not back yet. He's like, I got to go check this out. So he runs in there and he sees the dynamite and he's able to free them being tied up or the one kid anyway. Oh, no, they tie on both of them and mm-hmm. untie them. And then he flies up in the air with the dynamite and throws it away. Yeah. Which, you know, that Na- happens. Naturally, the bad guy... Uh, now the the possessed guy and the mon the turd monster that put the dynamite and failed here, now just suddenly drill into the base, and they could have just killed everybody in the base. They could have just killed everybody so many times, but they're just taking their time, fucking around. Yeah, they perfectly drill into the base and kidnap the daughter. Oh my god, this guy's daughter! I don't even know why they could just kill people. They, they could, could put a t- dynamite inside this hole. They instead they kidnap the daughter and hold her hostage. Yes, and we know why because obviously they want her father, Doctor Chang, to come to the base and rescue her and kind of uh, join. Princess Dragon Mom wants him to join her side and wants to enslave him because she wants him to build a new inframan for him for her. Yes, but here's the thing. This this woman can seriously materialize out of nowhere. She has technology out the wazoo. You're telling me that just by looking at blueprints, you can't make your own Inframan? Like, she's supposed to be amazing. What yeah. the hell? Why does she need Dr. Chang for? It, it It's baffling. It, it's so weird. So she takes a daughter to lure doc, Dr. Chang there to do that for her, which is pointless as hell. But we need it because movie. And also on camera, they kill the guy that they possessed. Yeah, it drops him into the fire pit just to show that they can do just, anything. Yeah, they want. just uh, look, you know, I'm going to show you that I'm going to kill this guy yeah. and what I'll do to everybody else if you don't obey me. And then she puts him in like cryostasis. Well, the, the father Chang. actually does leave and she's like, no one else is allowed to come. Right. And so he does go, and it was a really great scene where they have him on a jet boat. Right between one of the skeleton guards and the poop monster, it looked like booger. It looked like something from Batman nineteen sixty six. It just looks so funny. They're playing music like yeah. it. It's the most hilarious shot. 
in it a was movie. goofy. It was really goofy, but they had to, you know, take the boat to the lair. And so then Dragon Mom puts Chang and his daughter in cryostasis. And says she's going to wake them up every year, unfreeze them, and then freeze them again until they can't take it anymore until he makes her an inframan. Okay, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because, it's... I mean, to wake them up once a year. And for, or she says every every day I'm gonna wake you up and freeze you again over and over and over until you're insane. Did you say every day? That I, I don't. She said sense. a lot. She said a lot. I'm I gonna mean, do it over and over and over again. Yeah, that's more torturous than once a year. But either way, so you know he has no plans to make her a freaking informant at all. Yeah. And, well, uh, on the side, she sends the other villains to go kill everybody. Which they while fail the at. guard is being so they also don't come and help him. So uh, they send uh, that the penis monster. They send the green booger, and also the what I call the pirate penis. They come after, <laughs> and also he does fight the witch character, the the hairball. Yes, he, he easily kills these characters. Another Scooby Doo villain. <laughs> they he kills them so easy. The 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 hairball character. He just keeps knocking her over, and then uh, my favorite is she actually gets him. She hits Inframan into the water, and then he's like knocked into the water and like maybe beaten. And then she looks at the water and she actually cries a little bit. Yeah, she goes. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes funny. out, and he friggin' throws her into the water. Like, a, by the way, when I say throw. It, in this movie, every time they shoot somebody or blast somebody, they do a backflip. Oh, they have to. Yeah. They have to do backflips. She backflips into the water, and then he shoots a, 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 a basically like a bazooka at him, her, and she just explodes. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, then I, she sl- he slowly takes out all the other villains. He mm-hmm. kills the booger dude. Uh, after a long fight, he just and it's easy too. It's not even a big deal. He's supposed to be the best of the bunch. No, and it was also very easy. the penis pirate. He kills him by um, blowing him up as well. They yeah. all like kind of burn. We watch them all burn. Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of fun. I, I love Rima at first before he beats the booger dude. He drives a motorcycle into him. Yeah, just I gotta tell you though, I feel like maybe they they hurt that actor because it seemed like. Oh, it's great. He it's went crazy. Flying, and yeah. Even though he's wearing like a rubber suit, he's still, oh. it looked like it hurt. There's explosions it. and fireballs and stuff in this movie that seem like everybody's in jeopardy. Yeah, there are yeah. people on fire in this movie. Oh, there, there are some wild stuff. It's crazy. And you know, you know it's, the, it's a time where the stunt actors were getting hurt terribly. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And not even the stunt, it seems like the actors are getting hurt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Rima finally is able to get to Monster Island, or I'm sorry, Mount Devil, or whatever it is, to go save everybody. And all the squad get there. They all go in the boats. They all get there. This is the big uh, like fight, the big the showdown. Big showdown. And he goes in the base, and he has to fight like all the characters one by one. He fights the woman with the hands. The eyeball hands. Oh my god! But her her death scene is pretty cool though because you know, like he, he uses those discs that you said. Yeah, yeah. That's when he uses the discs. I he cuts her that. hands off. It, I I feel like he was just using those eyeball lasers that he had, but no, he was using the discs. And um, he cut her hands off, and 
she just went right down that freaking pit and into the burning hot magma. Yeah, after he cuts her hands off, he like chucks her in the damn uh, yeah, lava. That was pretty brutal. I was uh, like, wow, okay. And then he uh, slowly goes into each room until he can save everybody. And he goes in the room to unfreeze. And by the way, they freeze him. And then he gets he gets a little uh, a little inspiration in his head where he says, "Oh, hey, by the way, you can unfreeze yourself." You can heat your body and yeah. unfreeze yourself. So it, it seems like <laughs> Dr. Chang telepathically came to him when he was like down for the count. Yeah, he's got um, some kind of beeping thing that I don't remember ever seeing in, on his head it before was this there. Scene. Yeah, no, it was there. I, I was like, I was going to ask you, is there like a light bulb there for some reason? But yeah, it, it is like um, some That's telepathic funny. link that he had to Dr. Chang. And Dr. Chang was all like, oh, you can unfreeze yourself. Yeah. You have the ability. So he does. Um, it, 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 it was pretty amazing to me simply because how does he have, I mean, this, he could do literally anything. Yeah. He, he has telepathic abilities now. He could do anything. But only with Dr. Chang, because if he, he had telepathic abilities at all, he would know that Princess Dragon Mom's next move. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. He's able to see through the wall though and find them frozen. So he goes in the room to unfreeze them, but before he can, he is now has to fight the robot slinky men which is your favorite i love this scene it just makes me laugh it's like uh, egon and ghostbusters 2 when he says i had a slinky once but i straightened it <laughs> because he just these two these two robot characters every like they're both their hands and their heads are attached to slinkies so they pop off and they they're being used as weapons but this is the, literally the worst weapon of all time. Like it's anyone so funny looking. can grab their body parts that they're popping off and just tie them or it's pull them does. or straighten them or whatever. Like it's the stupidest villains I've but ever seen. He One of them, he hits so hard that he lands. First off, he hits one of them so hard that he keeps bouncing off the floor back into his fist and it happens over and over again. He just keeps punching it. Yeah, um, but also another thing is they they seem to work in unison the like twin robots. Yeah, um, I don't understand why they didn't just band together, like you know, hold hands and then just run around Inframan and like tie him up in the slinkies. Well, that would I mean that maybe would've... make them useless. I really don't know what I mean, they're, they're how useless. their ability works. I love that he throws one of them on their head and he bounces back up and down like a pogo oh stick because he's got slinky. Bad, I Anyways, he every time they shoot at him their hands, he takes them and wraps them together so basically they can't unravel themselves. Yeah. One one scene is great uh, because all these soldiers come in to fight them as him as well and he throws one of their heads over a balcony like thing. And that the the, mon the the villain's like tied up there. He can't get his head out of the the rafters, so he keeps like getting po uh, pulled back and forth like a slinky up and down into the the thing. So you, if you're watching the fight, you can actually see this character struggling, jumping up, oh, oh, oh going <laughs> up and down. It's so cool. I I think it's so funny and silly that I just have I love it. I love looking at it. But yeah, he he uh, is able to kill them. He kills all these guys with no problem. Is able to free uh, the father and uh, daughter, but not before Princess Dragon Mom flies in as the uh, the dragon character and knock him over repeatedly until he's able to use his discs. 
to cut her head off and it just keeps growing back. And this happens five times. He just keeps cutting the head off. The head grows back, cutting the head off, growing back. Then finally, he just gets sick of it and does his blast with his hands, destroys her until it. she keeps like flashing like a video game mm-hmm. until she blows up. That's kind of sad at that moment because I like Princess Dragon Mom. It's like he dispatches her so friggin' easy. Yeah, she's supposed to be like the big bad. The big bad guy. And he like kicks her ass. It's very quick. And you actually feel like it's not true. Like something else is going to happen. Yeah. But the place starts having an earthquake. And starts crumbling. And crumbling. So he's got to run out with them. Yeah, with the with Dr. Chang and his daughter. Yeah. But I will say this. I told you how upset I was because they literally destroyed those set pieces. They were really fun set pieces. Yeah. One looked like a like um a skeleton baby Yoda. It was hysterical. And they all looked they all they were huge, huge skeletons. Like huge. Yeah. On this like you know, it looked like an island. Yeah. But um, it, they were just such great Yeah, it doesn't look pieces. like a, a volcanic mountain of anything. It doesn't no, look like a volcano. It did not look yeah. like a volcano. But it was just so many amazing set pieces. I was like, oh, dang. You know, I know this is like paper mache and like cardboard <laughs> or whatever. But still, it just looks so good. And I was so upset. Yeah. Destruction of those. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a shame. But it looks cool. And if you watch the actors running out, it looks like they're blasts are happening all oh, over yeah. them it's yeah. crazy stunt looking stuff yeah it's awesome but they get outside and they're like yeah we we saved the day Finn. yeah that's it <laughs> that's the movie the villain went down so easy and i was like but you know what though this movie was so much fun to watch and like i said this is what my i would say nine nine or ten times i've seen this movie and, uh, just wild. I I've made every friend watch this movie with me. Yes. Uh, I, I that's probably why they uh, don't like showing back up here any anymore because <laughs> I've shown this movie to everybody. I'm scared them all off. I don't think anybody enjoys this movie as much as I do. This is a nostalgia thing for you. I mean, this is like from your childhood. You, you know, it's like me with the Muppets. I mean, they can't do any wrong. You know, this movie can't do any wrong in your eyes. Like, you will always love this movie. It's just, it, you hold it very dear in high regard because it's just, it's something from, you know, when you were a kid, you just thought this was just everything. I guess, I guess so. I mean, I, I do like it like that, but I also can tell when it's not a great movie. Of course. But I, I will have to say that this is so silly fun. It is. Watching this as an adult is is a hoot. It's just so fucking fun and dumb. And I don't know. I just love it. I just, there's something so corny about it that it's, it's, to me, it's very hard to hate it. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that should go, would be a good uh, lead into your segment, which is why we can't have nice things. Okay, yeah. Why we can't have nice things. So what I'll do is I'll read one 10 star review and one one star review. And, um, these are just, I I just will never understand these people, but (laughs) here we go. This is a 10, 10 out of 10. And, uh, the title of this one is a real trasher, but gives you the hell of a time watching it. A real collector's item. I got the original, original VHS tape and I won't miss it. The leading man is a human being transferred into a kind of mechanic superhero, the infra superman. He has to fight the reanimated Princess Dragon Mom, 
A great movie with growing robots, a lot of karate fighting, villains that make you cry, not to say whether from fear or from laughter, zippers you can see on the back of the furry costumes, actors that are real over-actors, hard on the edge of being pantomime, and so on. Great entertainment, and the fun is, every minute of this movie was meant to be serious. If you ever get the chance to see this hard-to-find movie, do it, or you'll be sorry for a lifetime. So, um, okay. yeah, that's a, yeah. I mean, and that's a perfect review. It's a perfect review. Now, uh, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> if but, that uh, is insane. It's a bit extra. This person has clearly one goal, and that's to pad the review score higher. I think so, too. Yeah. But um, since I could not find a one-star review, oh. I did find a two-star review, so I'll read okay. you that one. And that's titled, Roger Ebert and I Like This Movie. What a start. <laughs> yeah. For years, I never told anyone I had, that's in caps, anyone's in caps, I had even seen that movie. And I sure as hell never told anyone that I liked it. It was deserving of the title Cheesiest Movie of the Year and could well have been nominated for the all-time award. Yet, what? I had enjoyed it. It became my secret shame. Then, one day, months, perhaps years later, my favorite movie critic, with whom I agreed about 90% of the time, oh, wow. did something that made my heart sing and my soul feel relieved. Roger Ebert listed it as a guilty pleasure. Of all the thousands of movies he had seen in his career, one of only ten listed was Inframan. This didn't prove my sanity, of course, but it did prove I was as sane as Roger Ebert, and I'll take that any day. Wow. Yep. But he just hates it enough to give it a two that's what I mean, that's what baffles me yeah well i guess also he he finds shame in liking this film which is kind of sad for him i mean first of all you should never find shame in liking anything it's what you like yeah. it's something that you hold dear to you know and that's not anyone else's business or yeah. place to judge you well, let me ask you this question because uh i think this opens up a, an interesting question do you like the terminology guilty pleasure I, I do use that terminology. I do use that a lot because I do feel that, it, it you know, there are guilty pleasures out there. Yeah, but do you feel guilty really about liking something? Like, is there something that you really feel like, oh, I really don't want to admit that I love this Hell thing? no, I'll admit that I like anything. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel weird using the term guilty pleasure because I have a hard time not admitting the things that I like. I know when I was a kid... Guilty pleasure made more made more of a sense when I was a kid when it was just not cool to like comic books and mm -hmm. not cool to like Star Trek, right? You know, or um, like Star Wars was always that okay thing, but there was that time where you didn't want to admit, oh, I really like comics. I really like comic cartoons. Most of that was your teenage years when you were, you know, yeah, uh, everyone judged. Fifteen years you. old, you didn't want to admit. Yeah, anything. no, because people judged you and made you feel really small for liking certain things. Yeah. And as an adult, you know, now we just don't give a fuck. It's like, you're, you don't like what I like. Well, you know, that's okay. Exactly. You know, I'm not. And then if you're going to make fun of me for liking something, well, fuck you. you yeah. Know? That's exactly how I feel now because I'm like, I don't know if there's anything that I truly don't want to admit that I like. So I always find that guilty pleasure really interesting, especially what this guy's going through. This guy's saying like, I'm really find it guilt. I'm, it's, it's a guilty pleasure. I hate it. And I hate that I like it, but I like it. 
that's a shame. Yeah, it is. That's you know, a damn I mean, shame. But there are people out there, like just for instance, like uh, the movie Showgirls is deemed one of the worst movies ever made. Mm-hmm. But there are people who like that film. So, but they go. To, there's actual like like the room. They go to the theater and they they dress up or they say certain things or they they do certain things. Showgirls is one of those movies. Really? They it they has go to its like own, midnight showings of this yeah, movie. It has its own thing. It has a following. Okay, I didn't so know that. It's like Rocky Horror. It's just like people enjoy that movie and they do things around that event yes but that's not considered a guilty pleasure rocky horror is considered a cult classic and people love it but i'm saying that show you're bringing up showgirls and that showgirls is in that same vein as what you're saying a cult classic yeah or like i don't know battlefield earth there are one or two human beings out there that like that movie you know what i mean so like you know, and you're not going to say, oh, my God, you like that piece of shit and yeah. make fun of them for it. No, that's not nice, number one. And, you know, there are, people like what they like for their own reasons, and it's no one's concern or business. So I, I do the, I do understand the terminology guilty pleasure because a lot of people don't want to admit, like, you know, they're kind of embarrassed to yeah. say that, oh, I really like that movie or, you know, but... I, I personally am not embarrassed of anything. That's the, I, yeah. I don't I, I don't feel any kind of remorse for liking anything. I'm like, you know. Well, that, this is a good segue then because do you like this movie? I absolutely love this movie. So I think this you admit with no problem that you enjoy this film? 100%. This movie is, ugh, I mean, okay, it's cheesy as hell. It's corny. It's just <laughs> corny, corny. You know, but this is the kind of stuff that you saw as a kid on TV and you were just mesmerized by. As an adult now, I have um, kind of found a new um, appreciation for this kind of movie Hmm. because I love watching trashy movies. I love watching bad movies. I love watching silly movies. And this is so, it's so bad, it's good in a way that it's it's so delightful that you, you really... You laugh at it, you know, you, you just, you're entertained by it and you can't really cut it up because they know what they were going for. I don't in any way, shape or form think they took this seriously as that guy in the, um, in the review said. Yeah, I don't don't think so either. This is not a movie you take seriously when you have literally a guy dressed as a booger. You just don't, you don't (laughs) take that seriously. This is not, I mean, the character's name is Princess Dragon Mom. Yeah. Did you know in the original name for her? No. I, I, we didn't it? get to talk about this. Her name was uh, Princess um, Elzebub. Oh, my goodness. Well, Princess Dragon Mom is much better. But, like, honestly, like, do you really think the filmmakers were thinking this is going to be a serious movie? No. They watch Godzilla movies. They watch, you know, um, just the silliness of, of Star Trek in 1966, you know, with <laughs> the freaking guys in suits and stuff. Like, this is this movie came out in 1974, so they could do better than the costumes that they had in this movie. I guess you're right, I yeah. mean, they're fighting, and the goddamn guy's zipper is open you can see his white t-shirt under there this is not a movie that they're taking seriously okay this is this is fun this is a fun movie so in the opening you said this is talking trash but we're not actually doing talking trash what would you give this movie i, I would give this movie a freaking six i think this movie's fun yeah i give it a six too it's exactly what it it, it you can't fault a movie because if a movie sets out to be shakespeare you know, if it sets out to be Citizen Kane and it doesn't succeed, it gets knocked down because it gets graded against what it was trying to do. This movie was, is doing 
exactly what it set out to do. Yeah, it, it was. tried to make a fun kids film, mm-hmm. a fun uh, adventure action, crazy movie, and to capitalize on the success of Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And I think it nails it. I think it is corny. I think it knows all things. But I think that's exactly what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so I can't really fault it lower. And and let's face facts. A five would be mediocre. Right. And a five is something that I probably don't want to watch again. And I yeah. do want to watch this movie again. <laughs> I really enjoy laughing yeah. at this film. I really enjoy watching it. And, and there's a part of me that at one point in the movie, I actually just stopped laughing. And I'm sitting there like this. Yeah, I want to watch Inframan win. Yeah, I you know it it was it was very engrossing. It's just so, it's so silly, but it's such a freaking good time. And I don't think that this movie is bad. It's not talking trash worthy, but because well, it's turkey fest, it definitely is because we have a lot of questions. I but... mean, we do have a lot of questions, but it's not. I mean, honestly, do you that's really why I put it for the turkey them? fest. Yeah, you don't want to ask the questions because you just have such a good time. You don't want to take yourself out of this movie. Um, and you know, if you come by my home and you look at my personal DVD collection, you will see that I love crap and I don't think that this movie is crap. I think it's fun. So yeah, six. (laughs) So we're giving it a six. It's not even worthy of, uh, us bashing it or putting it on the list of bad movies. No. But yeah, I, uh, we're going to follow this movie up with another movie. I think we're both going to agree with is on the same tier. And that would be Alligator. Alligator. It lives 50 feet beneath the streets. It's 36 feet long. It weighs over 2,000 pounds. And it's about to break out. Could be anywhere. There he is. Ready to attack at any moment. At first, no one believed it. Now, no one will forget. Alligator. A yeah, movie we, we both enjoy and love talking about. I love Alligator so much that you actually purchased this DVD for me as yeah, a gift. And I love that you only were introduced to this film not too long ago. Right. You know, um, I it's crazy because this is everything in a movie that I would want. It, it And I just, I was like shocked that I only recently saw this for the first yeah, time. I think actually Halloween of a year ago and you know uh, not this year but of a year ago yeah i wanted to put on a um a scary movie that you hadn't seen and i said have you ever seen the alligator let's watch i want to watch both of them again i haven't seen them since i was a kid and we did and you were like i love this film i think that i just fell head over heels in love with this film i don't even know why really but i just do I so just we'll talk it. about that next week yeah yeah it, it's gonna be a hoot yeah <laughs> um so, yeah, you know what, everybody, thank you for listening. As always, we super appreciate anybody who listens to the show. And I always say, hit us up with suggestions of movies that you think are the worst or movies that you think are that you love that are bad, that you know are bad and you love. I love to talk about them. Always love suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. We are on Instagram at Just Another Movie Night and The Crafty Misfit for Joe. And, uh, yeah. See you next time. Have a good one.
<laughs> oh, boy. Now, you may not believe this, and I'm not sure I do, but the film you just saw a coming attractions trailer for is one of Roger Ebert's favorite <laughs> movies. Amazing. But I think it's pretty entertaining, too. Now, I can hear you asking, what's going on here? Have Ebert and Siskel gone bonkers? <laughs> They're recommending trash. Well, that's not quite right. We're recommending on this show great trash, movies that we call guilty pleasures, movies that we're almost embarrassed to admit we love. And Great Trash, Our Guilty Pleasures, is the topic we're going to be exploring this time on Sneak Previews Take Two, one of those special change of pace shows where Roger and I take a look at trends and issues in the movies. And this is Roger Ebert, film critic of the Chicago Sun-Times. Across the aisle from me is Gene Siskel, film critic of the Chicago Tribune. Now, today's program is right out of left field. Gene and I are each <laughs> going to pick three movies that we like, even if nobody else does. Now, you know the feeling. You go to the movies with a bunch of people, and afterwards, everybody agrees about how totally lousy the movie was, and gee... You don't know, you kind of liked it. <laughs> what we're going to do is look at scenes from some of our own secret favorites. Okay, now this is what we call a change of subject. Mm -hmm. This is a movie for the kids. <laughs> and this is a, it's a Hong Kong science fiction thriller dubbed into English and named Inframan. And I discovered it at a kitty matinee three years ago. <laughs> and it, I go to a lot of kitty matinees, by the way. It only took about five minutes of this movie to convince me that I was in the presence of a weird, curiously demented, but totally wonderful combination of science fiction Kung Fu and absurd superheroes. Believe me, Inframan makes Superman look like a slice of life. <laughs> I was drawn to it because it are the kind of ads I've never been able to resist. Those ads that say, see this and see that. See the impending destruction of planet Earth by mutant monsters led by the evil villainess and, now get this, I love her name, Princess Dragon Mom. And now, here is Princess Mom in her subterranean headquarters ordering her monsters into action. I summon all of you to attend. You might call this film action packed. <laughs> now, I was there on the kitty matinee. I loved it. And, and the kids loved it, too, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Inframan was produced by Hong Kong's leading sultans of schlock, two brothers named Run Run Shaw and Run Me Shaw. And this time, they really outran themselves. The special effects are outrageous. The plot is an unbelievable combination of low camp and high comedy. I loved it. I seriously think the movie has a future as a midnight cult classic. I'm sure you're right. What I like about that sequence is that this film doesn't do what most action pictures do that's wrong. Most action pictures feel some need to interrupt themselves and try and get serious and have dialogue passages with the character. Hey, when we go to a picture like that, we don't want to know who the people are. We want thrills. We want action. Sparks, flames, people jumping. There you had everything in that sequence, enough for two pictures. That's why Inframan is so great. There's a scene in there, for example, the big dialogue scene. They hardly talk at all. The professor has left science headquarters. He has gone to talk to the United Nations. Things are bad. Mountains have fallen apart to reveal the forms of extinct dinosaurs that are going to attack as the San Andreas Fault has gone around the earth and opened up. School buses full of kids have fallen in. <laughs> Hong Kong is in flames. Princess Dragon Mom has unleashed the mutant men upon humanity, and the professor says, Gentlemen, things are so bad, they are the worst they ever have been. I think you sold a few thousand tickets to that movie. Inframan was the outrageous <laughs> Hong Kong science fiction extravaganza with a Bionic superhero doing battle with the unforgettable Prince's Dragon Mom. <laughs> okay. You know, we call this show Guilty Pleasures because the movies we've recommended here are not generally thought of as the kind of classy, marvelous films that film critics typically praise. So that's why the phrase Guilty Pleasure, which was originated, as you know, by mm -hmm. Film Comment Magazine, which regularly features the guilty pleasures of all different kinds of critics. But in reality, 
you know, I'm not so sure that we really feel guilty about these films we've been talking about. They might be schlocky to some people, they might be scandalous to others, psychopathic to others, <laughs> to the casual observer, that is. But to us, I think these movies, I think we really believe this, they have genuine merit. Yeah, I think we're touching here on the kind of experience that a lot of moviegoers have, where they go to a movie and everybody else is laughing at it or walking out on it, and you're sitting there and you're saying, hey, wait a minute, I like it. There's something in this movie that speaks to me or that I see in it. And that kind of individual pleasure is one of the good reasons to go to a movie, I think. I agree. And that's it for this show.